Hey there. Uh, if you are feverishly digesting these stories, I will not hold you up. This is Michelle Anderson, your hostess of Manifestor Academy for Entrepreneurs. And I'm going to go into my part two section of my origin story or basically the beginning of my transformation. So if you're hearing these in reverse and you want to start from the beginning of this story, just go to episode two. That's where this story begins because spoiler alert, <laughs> the story is going to get really good starting now and it'll be more fun if you start from the other episode. So I suggest that, but I was just describing at the end of the last episode that I was starting to get a taste of this freelance world of designing landscapes and I just knew how to do everything. I could design them, install them, install them myself. I could bring all the contractors to the table and I just started to see piece after piece of what my clients were needing and I was able to provide it and I was just providing it and I didn't know what the hell I was doing in a lot of regards in terms of how to make invoices and stuff, but I was very tech savvy for the time because I had just graduated from a very tech heavy architecture program at uh, UC's DAP in architecture. It was very grueling. So all these things were flying at me and if I needed to make an invoice and I didn't know how, I would just figure it out. And if I needed to track my time or track my mileage or whatever I needed to do, in business and you know any entrepreneur I'll tell you it's just an endless list of decision making and it was and I handled a lot of it so I also ended up bringing in a friend of mine to help me with this at at some point I said to myself you know what I have like enough clients for about three weeks or three months and this was very exciting I thought man I'll just quit all my other jobs and just do this. Now is the time. And it had been building in my heart as I was seeing this unfold and connecting with these clients that this was my time. Like this was going to be what I was going to do next. So this was all very exciting and I was getting all revved up about it. And it just flowed from me, all of the ideas about how this was going to be. And the company name was just absolutely apparent. And the company name was to be Flourish. And the reason I thought of it is because I was still seeking for who I was. And I thought, hmm, this is the work I want to do. And I'm going to start my own business. And I definitely am very passionate about other people having beautiful things and beautiful spaces to be in. Um, I also want to flourish as well. And this is going to be my way to flourish. This is it. Flourish. The name is Flourish. And I was... I've never regretted it. Um, and I also thought, you know, I don't want it to be my name. And at the time, you know, and still is, like a lot of architectural practices might be a group of names or something, but I didn't know. I just had big ideas. I thought, what if I sell it someday? Or what if I have other people running it? Like, I don't want it to be my name. So basically, I uh, got really excited, told my friend, and I convinced her to help me. And I think she had a, some part-time work as a waitress or something, but she had a background in interior design and she liked the landscape stuff. So 
she was like, yeah. And that was it. And I was like, this is going to be fun. And it, and I'm really going to like this. And gosh, this is really all working out so great. And at this time, I had come back to Cincinnati, but my husband had not. And so we actually got married in secret and we didn't tell anybody. See, I told you I have a lot of good stories. Um, and it, it was giving me a bellyache that I had this big secret. But uh, we did that so that he would be able to come to the country and we would be able to be in the same country because it was very challenging to be apart from each other and there were red flags about this along the way but most of our relationship was a long distance relationship so I never really got a chance to figure out what daily life was like with this man except for like the long couple weeks that I would stay or the three months that I was with him and even then it was like not normal life because it was, you know, we lived in the Cayman Islands. It was like a party all the time on the beach. So there was a lot to be left discovered with this man. And I was very focused on him and, you know, just overlooking a lot of the really tense things that in hindsight, if I think about it, I thought, gosh, there were definitely a lot of points in our long distance relationship where I could have maybe foreseen what would happen if I, if I knew what all that was about. So I just thought, you know, now that I've got my business and my friend works with me, the only other thing that needs to happen is that my husband needs to come and join me here and I will be happy. And I ended up renting a place when I knew that he was going to be coming um, soon in this horribly ugly apartment in the west end of town. It was uh, on the third floor of a row house. And the only views out were of other buildings and concrete and gross stuff. And it was near the highway. And on a formerly glorious street. But the current situation was that it was gross and depressing. And the first night I spent in this apartment, um, which didn't even have a front door. This is how much money I was making at the time. (laughs) I think my rent was like $250 a month. Um, I spent one night there and honest to goodness, I heard shit all night long um, up and down the stairs. And I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no. Mm -mm -mm -mm." It didn't feel good. I didn't like it. I went downstairs where my shared office with my friend was going to be. And I was like, hey, I don't want to be here. I can't do it. No, it's just not for me. And she was like, oh, please give it a try. Please, please, please. And against my whole body and all of my wishes, and I really liked this friend. And I thought, well, she really wants to do this. I'll I'll be a good friend and and I'll give it a try. And that was kind of unlike me. (laughs) But I just, you know, she was she was good to me and we were pretty tight at the time. So I was like, fine, I will stay upstairs because that meant that we would be really close to each other and the fun would continue and that would be, that would be just a convenient thing for us since she was helping me in my business. So the thing was, my husband finally arrived and I thought, here, here it is, like, here's how this is all gonna, everything's gonna fall into place. He's going to get here. He's going to have a job while I'm starting up. We'll both have money. 
he'll maybe have more money than me, hopefully, since I can't get it together, but I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out really quick. I'm, a, I'm really smart. I've gone around the world. I've learned from everything and everyone, and I'm going to make this work. And once he came, I really started to wake up to this ugly picture that I had set up for myself. And this is kind of the beginning of my wake-up moment. I mean, it was exciting to be in business at the time, especially because of the recession. There was a lot of rah, rah, rah stuff around small business and a lot of workshops, a lot of networking, a lot of referral groups, a lot of community-driven incentives to keep small businesses alive, and there was a lot of cheerleading around it. So in my daily life, like, and I would tell people what I was doing, everyone was really excited for me. And they were like, that's so cool. And yes, it's very cool to be an entrepreneur, but the people who aren't don't really understand it. And what they didn't understand, what my reality was, and I hadn't told anybody what my reality was. And even my family was happy for me. And they were like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy for you. And friends, all of it. But I was responsible for me and bringing money in and trying to support my friend too. She wasn't an official employee. She had freedom to have other work as well. But um, there, there was that. I was paying her. So my husband arrived and it was great to have him there for a very short time. And I quickly started to see some of his behaviors that I hadn't really noticed before. He was out of his element. He was from the Caribbean, so living in Cincinnati wasn't basically a very natural thing. Um, My parents had given him some of my dad's clothes, which was kind of funny because my dad is a really nice, skinny, white guy who... It works as an engineer, so he had a lot of like plaid button-down shirts, and my husband was a very um, attractive, bubbly, flowery, bold Caribbean man. <laughs> so as beautiful as he was and as cute as he was in these outfits, he was in a very chaotic cycle of alcoholism, and it was the first time that I really got to understand that this was happening. He quickly found a community of like-minded individuals that were from Latin America that he could speak Spanish with and enjoy, but these were also a group of people that were drinking and getting pretty rowdy, and he was, like, really acting um, mean when he was drunk, and I wasn't really telling anybody how mean he was becoming but since I lived with my friend they got to see some little pieces of this and I was like really ashamed to expose it I didn't know how to handle it because I didn't understand at the time this Jekyll and Hyde effect about a really mean drunk is that that when they're sober 
they're very apologetic and they're a different person. And this is what I was seeing. And I'd never seen this before because despite that there was addiction in my family, um, it was a very fun-loving family and people that would be goofy when they were under substances. So this this was different for me and I didn't know how to handle it. And I felt so crappy and disconnected from who I was. I was tolerating it. And this tolerating would be one of the patterns that was really sabotaging my business. So here I was in this god-awful apartment without a door that was painted in a color scheme that is my least favorite color scheme. One room was red, one room was yellow, and one room was blue. And it made me want to throw up. I did paint it, but it had popcorn walls and popcorn ceiling. And if you guys don't know what that is, that means it had textured walls and textured ceiling because it was like a building from the 1800s and this was a previous owner's way of like hiding all the cracks. (laughs) So this place was ugly. So with all of my design talents, I could not make that place look cute and I didn't have any money to move or really decorate it with anything nice. So I would buy heavy mid-century furniture from Craigslist and haul it up these narrow stairs and furnish my apartment as best I could. Sadly, Flourish was making no money. Like, I think we operated at a loss one of our first years and then one of those years made like $11,000, which isn't really sustainable. And my clients were ruling me. I mean, I just was being this wabi-sabi person without boundaries and, you know, could be taken advantage of. And they weren't doing it in a mean way necessarily, but I was allowing them to see me as the small person I thought I was or was acting like, basically. So working harder wasn't really solving anything because I knew how to work hard and I was working hard and long and living in this ugly place and I didn't have any money for anything extra in my life. Like I would have loved at this time to have a massage or a real vacation, but all my money had been spent on visiting my husband. And now that he was there, we just didn't have any money. And his drunkenness was starting to be really apparent when he couldn't really hold a job. And so life was not really that fun. And work could be very fun because it was sort of an escape because I was doing what I loved. But at the same time, I didn't know how to reel it in and make it a joy. Um, I was just in this cycle of unsustainable activity. And it wasn't working out. And and I was like, okay, what do I not know about this? Because I'm working all the time, but I don't have any money. And it was becoming very apparent that my husband was an issue with my life. And I was starting to feel trapped. And I really didn't have any words for this. It was a very bizarre thing. And I will go on to tell more about what it is to be a codependent and to live with an alcoholic. But all this stuff was going on and I still felt really disconnected. 
and really alone. But I had a fever to make it work. Um, I had this uh, commitment to figure it out. And I was running out of um, ideas, basically. And so I ended up seeing this uh, advertisement for a lady who was giving a feng shui class. And she was, uh, I, I couldn't make it, but one thing I was really good at in, in the beginning of my business was just going out and making it work. And like, if I didn't know what I was doing, I would do something and I would just network and network and network and network. And I didn't really know how to do it, but I called her up and I was like, hey, I missed your class, but I'd really like to talk about feng shui because I was still seeking. And I thought, I want to figure out and go deeper everywhere in my life and figure out what's not working. And I was always intrigued by feng shui. And I thought, you know, there's something about design and beauty and the way we have our homes and the things in it and what we think is beautiful and what we want to be surrounded by that it's it's deeper than just pretty things and I knew this in a bigger way and I was about to learn it in a huge way and then I thought about you know how gross I felt in my apartment and I was like you know why am I so aspirational but I have this and some people like just seem to be living in opulence and they're not even trying and I wanted to know I wanted answers I wanted to get out of the funk I was in. So we had such a great conversation and I was so intrigued and I decided to hire her to do this feng shui consultation at my apartment. And I had a feeling that she was going to be good. And I also hoped and prayed that when she was at my apartment that she wouldn't bring up my relationship because I didn't know much about it. it was still a pretty big blind spot at the time but my relationship was starting to show cracks and I was afraid for a lot of reasons that this wasn't going to work out and I'm a very very stubborn person so I was like I want to make it work out <laughs> and it was just not the way to think about it. So she came over and walked up my gross stairs, all three flights of them. And as soon as she walked in the room, she was like, oh, what's going on in your relationship? <laughs> the way she said it with just like a curious compassion, I was like, oh my gosh, this woman can help me. And she could see that just by looking at how I had my space set up and things positioned. Now I actually know how to do that. When I walk into someone's space, I can tell a lot about them. And then I didn't have this wisdom yet. And I had spent, I think, like $300 for her to come and do that with me. And that was like so much for me to be spending and it scared me, and I was like, wow, 
though, I know she can help me. And she had told me that she was starting a coaching practice. And that day she asked me if I wanted to work with her and I really wanted to, but I just kept telling myself, I don't have the money. And it's that piece right there, the I don't have the money, that I was stuck on for another several months. I knew she could help me, and my life was getting worse and worse. And I thought, well, I'll just try harder and get around the bend or get this client or get this to happen or get to this point, and then I'll hire her when I have the money, when I have the money, when I have the money. But I didn't know how to turn the ship around and make that money actually happen for me. And nine months later, after this feng shui meeting, she messaged me on Facebook. And she was like, how are you? And it was actually she had been the only one that I had told some of the things about what was really happening and really not working. Um, she was the only one that knew. And when she just said that little thing, how are you? That tipped me over the edge. And actually in the Facebook messenger space, it was a safer place for me to just see those words and go and and say to myself and be really honest and just say, I am not good. And I wasn't good. I was I was way worse than when we had met. I had less money than when we had met. I had less confidence. I had less of everything. I was feeling really bad. I had less confidence in what my relationship was going to be. I was trying harder than ever in all of these areas. And I knew, worst case scenario, that I could put money on a credit card to hire her. And worst case scenario would be nothing would come from our sessions and I would have to pay that off. So I signed up with her. I mean, I was just really sick. I had done everything. I had exhausted my resources. I had run out of ideas about how to be happy and connect with who I was, and my life looked really sucky. So she came over to, at the time she was doing these sessions where she'd start and kind of incorporate her feng shui with a coaching conversation, and I ended up dodging around what I really wanted to say, and at the end, she's like, so what do you really want to tell me? And I was like, well, I think I'm, I think I'm paying my friend too much. And she asked me to tell her more. And I was basically splitting the profits with this person. And that's just how I set it up because I thought it would be fun. But I was the one doing the sales. And I was the one out there making sure that every little detail was amazing. Um, I was the entrepreneur. This was my vision. It was my brand. I built it. I started it. I was the one making sure that we always had work. I was the one that would sort everything out and take full responsibility for everything. And she pointed that out to me for the first time in my life, starting my business. And I knew then that I had made my money back. 
and that story about how I undid that profit sharing with that friend will also be an episode and that was the moment when I thought you know this this coaching it paid for itself and and wow in in 60 minutes I shifted my perspective and I changed the course for my business and my life really forever um and I was really hung up on the money piece I was really hung up on what money I didn't have to do it but you know what was really behind that was the fear of letting go of my relationship I was actually using the money as an excuse not to sign up with her because a part of me really knew that if I were to work on myself and grow, that the man I had attracted into my life was not going to grow in the same ways and that I wasn't going to be able to change him. So I will wrap up. This is going to be a three-part series in the next episode. The lasting transformation place of the journey that really the tides were turning. So if you have only watched this piece, you will want to start with episode two and then go to episode three, which is this, and then episode four will wrap it up. This is Michelle Anderson, your coach, your person that's going to tell you lots of great stories about transformation. I hope you liked this one and I hope you want to listen to the next one. So if you want to keep on boogieing, then just do that and join me over at episode four.